0: So our first Bible reading is taken from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now moving to Luke chapter 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 Dari and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. Go in peace.
1: Thanks, Jonathan, and good morning, everyone. Um, Let me add my welcome to to Sally's, particularly for anyone who's visiting us today for Commitment Sunday. My name's Mark, if we haven't met. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church, Modbury, and it's a a real pleasure to be here this morning as these guys and girls publicly declare their love for Jesus. Um, We're looking this morning at an encounter that Jesus has with two very different people. And um, We've got an impressive, respectable, religious guy who follows all the rules. And then we've got a woman who's lived a shameful life and probably broken all of the rules. Uh, and so it might surprise you that when Andrew, Ben, Alyssa, Elliot, Jacob, Josh, Kim, Lewis and Lucy get up here in a few moments time to make their commitments this morning, they're not going to be identifying themselves with the impressive religious guy. But rather with the anything but impressive sinful woman. Um, What we see in Luke chapter 7, which we just read, is a shocking yet a beautiful scene that that takes us to the heart of what it really means to follow Jesus and to be a Christian. It's a story of an unwanted guest, an unexpected twist, and an unburdened love. Um, So firstly, an unwanted guest. As the story begins, one of the, one of the Pharisees invites Jesus to have dinner with him, and Jesus goes to the Pharisee's house. Now, Pharisees in that day were, they were the impressive, devout, high-ranking religious people. So it, was, it was a big deal to get invited to a Pharisee's place for dinner. But if we've read the verses that are leading up into the ones that we've read this morning, then we're going to have some alarm bells ringing at this point. Um, because Luke has just told us that the Pharisees had rejected God's purposes for their lives because they would rejected two important people who God had sent, uh, Jesus and also John the Baptist. Um, so you can imagine that this Pharisee, he, he hasn't invited Jesus around for dinner uh, because he likes him and he wants to have a nice chat with him. There's something a bit more sinister going on here. Uh, we don't know what conversations were going on at the dinner table. We don't know how heated or how polite things were. But, but what we do know is that at, at, at one point, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating there, and she came there with a jar of perfume. She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. As uh, She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Uh, we're not told exactly what sort of a, a sinful life this woman had lived, perhaps we can read between the lines a little bit, um, but she's certainly not the sort of woman that a respectable religious person would want gatecrashing their dinner party. And to make matters worse, she's making a big scene, she's spilling perfume everywhere, she's she's making a mess. Uh, and so when the Pharisee who invited Jesus over to dinner um, sees this, he, he thinks to himself, if this man, Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is that she's a sinner if Jesus was a prophet. Lots of people at that time believed that Jesus was a prophet. He'd been performing amazing miracles. He'd been teaching amazing things. The Pharisees weren't so sure, though. They weren't convinced. Perhaps this Pharisee had invited Jesus over to dinner to prove that he's not who he was claiming to be. If Jesus was really... A prophet, if, if he'd really been sent by God, he would know what kind of woman this is, the Pharisee's thinking to himself. He'd know that she's a sinner. He, he'd know all about the shameful life that she's lived. And he wouldn't want to let her anywhere near him. That's what the Pharisee's thinking to himself. If If Jesus was a prophet from God, he'd be hanging out with good people like me, not bad people like her. In terms of their social status, there there couldn't be a bigger contrast between this respectable Pharisee and this sinful woman, this unwanted guest. And likewise, Jesus is much more pleased with one of them than he is with the other. But there's an unexpected twist in this story. Because it's not the Pharisee who Jesus is impressed by Jesus knows what he's thinking, and so so he calls him over for a chat. He says, look, Simon, come here, come here, come here. We've got to, we've got to have a chat. I'm going to tell you, tell you a story. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender, Jesus says. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, Simon, which of them will love him more? Uh, now, a denarii was a day's wage, uh, back in that time. So in, in modern-day money, we're talking the ballpark of a $100,000 debt versus a $10,000 debt here. Um, I've never been in serious financial debt before, apart from having a mortgage, which, like in theory, is meant to be a manageable kind of debt at least. Um, but I would imagine that, that it's a scary, vulnerable, desperate place to be, owing money that you're not sure you can pay back, or, or that you know that you can't pay back. Uh, inflation, rising interest rates, high cost of living. They're not just big news stories today. They, they, these are things that are, that are impacting the lives of lots of people. And, and so maybe for you this morning, debt is something that's very real in your life right now, or, or you know people who are struggling in this way. And, and a money lender back in first century Palestine didn't have to play by the same rules that ANZ Bank has to play by Today, so that there might be very nasty consequences for someone who couldn't pay their money back, back then. Um, so you can imagine in that situation that if a loan shark just decided to cancel your $10,000 debt, that would be a big relief. But if you were the person with the $100,000 debt that got wiped out, you'd, you'd be beyond relief. It would be like getting your life back again. Who's going to be the most grateful? Who's going to love the money lender more? Well, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus tells him, yes, you've judged correctly. Now comes the twist. Jesus then turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, you see that woman over there, Simon? You see that woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Now, we all know that when you invite someone over to your house, there are certain unspoken rules of social etiquette that you're meant to follow, aren't you? You're meant to open the door for them. That's That's a good start. Um, Before COVID, you would have given them a handshake or a a hug. Um, Since COVID now, you just kind of stand there awkwardly, wondering how they feel about body contact until someone makes the first move. Um, And then you offer them a drink, you show them where to sit, you introduce them to anyone that that they haven't met. Um, Back then, 2,000 years ago, the the expectation was that you'd you'd give them a kiss, so definitely pre-COVID. You'd get your your servant to to wash their feet and and put oil on their heads. But Simon hasn't done any of these things for Jesus. Um, not, not sure whether he just forgot or maybe it was a bit of a, a bit of a power play that he was doing, but, but either way, he would failed as a host. This, um, this really impressive Pharisee has completely failed at his hosting duties. Um, but where he failed, this gate crushing sinful woman has provided for Jesus in abundance. And Jesus sees a deeper spiritual truth lying behind all of this. He says, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Why did the Pharisee and the sinful woman treat Jesus so differently? Well, it was because the woman recognized just how great her spiritual need was. She knew what kind of a woman she was. In fact, she knew it even better than everyone else knew, like just like all of us, we we know our deepest, darkest secrets better than anyone else around us. She knew better than anyone else there that she needed God's forgiveness. And so she came to Jesus knowing that he could provide it. Jesus knows what kind of a person she is. He he knows that her sins are many. And he declares that every single one of them is forgiven. Now, it wasn't that walking into that party and and publicly humiliating herself in that way was what earned her her forgiveness, like a a who-dares-wins kind of challenge or something. It it was knowing that she was forgiven that produced this socially, financially, costly, public outpouring of love for Jesus. Uh, Jesus says it. um, Her great love is what's shown that she's forgiven. She's forgiven much, and so she loves much. Um, but it's a different story with the Pharisee. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Now it's not that Jesus is offering any less forgiveness to this Pharisee, it's it's um it's rather that he sees himself less needy of it. You know, this, this sinful woman, she needs God's forgiveness way more than I do. And because he sees himself in this, this morally superior kind of a way, he, he feels a less urgent need for forgiveness, uh, which is reflected by how he treats Jesus. The, the big difference between this Pharisee and this, this woman, it, it's not the, the moral and the social contrast that everyone else in the room would have been thinking about. It's that one of them sees their need for forgiveness. And so they love Jesus a lot while the other one sees less need, and so they have little love for Jesus. And it's the sinful woman who has a far better understanding of her own spiritual state than the Pharisee does. Uh, Because the reality is that all people are sinful. All people are in desperate need of forgiveness, no matter how impressive we might appear. Uh, Because God has made us for the purpose of knowing him, loving him, obeying him. And so by all the ways that we ignore God, or we reject him, or we, or we live out of step with him, it's as though we're, we're racking up a debt. And this debt is simply beyond our ability to pay back. Uh, it's what the Bible calls sin. Uh, but Jesus came to, to bring forgiveness. Forgiveness. He came to pay our debt. And so he came to call people who recognize their need, not people who think that they're good enough already. Luke chapter 7 finishes with Jesus saying to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now he's not just talking about like a nice inner sense of tranquility here. What, what Jesus offers us is peace with God. God has nothing that he holds against us anymore. Nothing that we have to answer him for. No more debt. And we don't earn this right standing with God ourselves by being better and better people. We, we accept it by faith. Faith in Jesus. Uh, the other guests are a little bit, uh, little bit confused about what's going on. They, they say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Who is Jesus to say that someone's sins are forgiven? Sin is against God. So, so surely God is the only one who has the right to forgive sins. Well, Luke is showing us here that, that Jesus has God's authority to forgive sins. As God the Son, He he has full authority to cancel our debt. But a debt doesn't just disappear. Does it? Uh, when the moneylender forgave the, the $100,000 debt that, that um, the person had, he was costing himself $100,000, wasn't he? That was $100,000 he was never going to get back. Someone always bears the cost when there's a debt. And to forgive the debt of our sin, God bore the cost himself. And he did that through the death of Jesus on the cross enduring the judgment that, that our sin deserves. And perhaps as that woman tearfully poured perfume on Jesus' feet that day, that, that she had some idea of what it was going to cost him to forgive her. The twist in this story takes us to the heart of the true shape of the Christian life. It's a life of unburdened love. Um, maybe you are hear this morning just checking church out, not not really sure whether you're a Christian or not not thinking of yourself as a follower of Jesus. Um, If that's you, what do you think that following Jesus and being a Christian is all about? What do you think it's all about? What are these guys and girls signing up for today with Commitment Sunday? Is Christianity all about doing good things, following rules, uh, being going to church, being good enough for God, being the best person I can possibly be? Are these guys getting up here in a moment and committing to, to following all the rules and being the best person they can be? Well, when we do that, there are, there are two things that can go really badly wrong. Um, it can either lead us to, to pride, when we feel like we're, we're doing it really well, we're being a really good person, or it can lead us to despair when we realise that we're not. Oh, there's a common perception that, that Christians are self-righteous, you know, a bit like the Pharisee who invited Jesus around to dinner and thought he was better than the sinful woman. And let's be honest, in, in some cases, that perception is justified by, by the way that people behave. But, but equally, there can be such a sense of guilt, inadequacy, Fear and resentment that that comes from believing that it's up to me to be good enough for God. That I've got to be the best person I can be so that God accepts me. Because we all know the worst things about ourselves. We all know those, those things that we don't share on social media. Those thoughts that we have that we wouldn't want anyone else to know about. Following the rules and being good enough for God... It's not the life that these guys are committing to this morning. What they're doing is a lot more like what we see from the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7. Not the Pharisee. They've recognized how needy they are. They've realized that there's a perfect God. That I've wandered away from this perfect God. That I could never be good enough for him. That there's a debt that I could never pay in my own goodness and strength. And can I just say, if I'm, if I'm sounding a bit negative here, they, these guys are great. I, I see them every Sunday. I see most of them at youth group each Friday night. They're, they're wonderful people in lots of ways. But compared with a God who is perfect in every single way, none of us stack up. And Jesus offers the problem, sorry, he offers a solution to this problem by paying our debt. There's no other way for us to have peace with God. Nothing, nothing we can do, nothing anyone else can do to give us peace with God. Because if it's up to us or if it's up to anyone else, we're all going to fall hopelessly short. And so these guys this morning, they are throwing themselves on Jesus' forgiveness they're saying to jesus thank you that you died so that i can be right with god thank you that you paid my debt i want to accept that i want to have the life that you offer and as they they grasp jesus mercy as they grasp that he's paid what they couldn't as they grasp that he's saved them from an eternity Without God, what it leads to is a life of unburdened love. I don't mean by that a life that's free from burdens, but but a life where the heaviest and most crippling burden has been taken away forever. The writer of Psalm 32, which we, we read just earlier, puts it so beautifully. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them the woman who gatecrashed that dinner party 2,000 years ago, she had the weight of the world lifted off her shoulders as she realised that none of her sins compared with Jesus' mercy, that she no longer had a debt to pay. And for not just our Commitment Sunday participants this morning, but for all of us here who have put our trust in Jesus As we realise that Jesus has taken our shame and guilt, that he's paid our debt, that we don't have to prove ourselves, that we we don't have to look to our achievements or or search deep within us for an identity to build our lives on. Um, As we realise these things, the overflow of this realisation is a life of unburdened love for Jesus. Obeying him. Serving him, praising him out of a place of joyful gratitude that 's the shape of the christian life it 's knowing our need, throwing ourselves on jesus mercy, overflowing into a life of of love for jesus that that shapes every part of our lives, as we celebrate commitment Sunday this morning what this This morning, it's not all about how great the people doing Commitment Sunday are. We're not saying, look how great Ben is. Look how great Lucy is. Look how great Jacob is for making these promises. No, this morning is all about, look how great Jesus is. That he's the one who's worth building our lives on like this. Following Jesus isn't always easy. But when we grasp what it is that he's done for us and what he promises us for all eternity, loving him will never be a burden. And so I want to encourage Andrew, Ben, Alyssa, Elliot, Jacob, Josh, Kim, Lewis and Lucy and and everyone here this morning who knows and who loves Jesus to make sure that this love for Jesus is the heartbeat of your Christian life. There are lots of things that we do. We we read our Bibles, we pray, we we tell people about Jesus, we serve at church. These these are all really great things to do to honour God. But we need to take stock and and make sure that we're doing them from the right place. Is it driven by a sense of reluctant duty that this is is what I have to do each week? Or is it driven by the kind of grateful, grateful, reckless love that we see from this sinful woman who meets Jesus and has the weight of the world lifted off her shoulders. And just finally, for those of us here who, who aren't sure yet what to make of Jesus, if, you, if you're here this morning and you're, you're not quite sure about Christianity, you're not quite sure Jesus is someone worth following, just know that being a Christian, it's not about signing up to be a good person. It's not just about signing up to be a good person. It's not about thinking that we're better than all of the people around us. It's about responding in grateful, loving devotion to the man who took off our shoulders the burden of being good enough. It's about putting our lives at the disposal of the king who knew... That our debt was beyond us. That it was beyond our ability to repay. And so this king laid down his own life to pay our debt for us. That's what we're celebrating this morning. How great is Jesus? Let's pray. Our heavenly Father and loving God, we confess that in our own strength and goodness, we stand before you with a debt that we simply cannot pay. So we thank and praise you that Jesus has paid that debt on our behalf by his death so that we can have peace with you. And we pray that you'd help us by your spirit and through your word to grasp this wonderful truth with increasing clarity that it might overflow into lives of devoted and unburdened love for Jesus. For your glory. Amen.